Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith and I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Okay, so verse 2, John chapter 8. Here we go. It says this, At dawn he appeared again in the temple. This is Jesus. In the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And then they go on to say, In the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then verse 8, it says this, Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus and the the woman were standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Verse, uh, Verse 11 says, no one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. What a declaration over your life. Amen. And then he says, go now and leave your life of sin. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our hope. Jesus, you are our peace. Jesus, you are our ambition. Jesus, you are our dream come true. And so, Father, we pray today that through your word, through the witness of your spirit, uh, Lord, that you would help us see Jesus. But more than that, God, I pray that we encounter Jesus, that Jesus Jesus, you change our lives today. That, Lord, we walked in here today with with no faith, with some faith, even with a lot of faith. But I pray, Lord, that when we leave church this morning, we leave with more of Jesus in our lives. So we're going to pray a dangerous prayer. Lord, we want to give you permission to mess with our minds and to mess with our hearts in the best way possible. Come on, church. Lord, we want to give you assent. We want to give you permission to dabble, to put your finger on things and to challenge things, to build things up, to heal things, to bless things, maybe to break a few things. But we pray today, God, that you will be at your work this morning, that this will not be as if there is anyway another service this morning, another morning in church, but this is another encounter in the kingdom of God today where we will be radically changed into the likeness of who you are. So, Father, we pray today, have your way. May your will come true in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. All right, from time to time, anyone ever just kind of flick and scroll? We're, we're kind of, now don't tell me no, we all flick and scroll, okay? And the, sometimes you go on TV or Facebook, you may stumble across two judges on TV or Facebook, okay? Here's the first one here. This is a woman called Judge Judy. Anyone know who Judge Judy is? Shy, retiring, quiet sort of wee woman, like your granny. Not at all, right? And then here's the other fella, Judge Frank. Oh, 
No, look, look at me, Frank. And he also, you can catch up with him in Cotton Providence, and I think he's on Facebook or whatever it is, okay. And I have to say this, that these two could not be more different in their approach to people, okay. Uh, Judge Judy is kind of, I'm sure she's awesome, right? I'm sure she's beautiful and everything else. But she is no messing, no nonsense. And I think if you land before Judge Judy, you got to make sure you're going to win, okay. i got to be honest, okay. She shouts, and she's impatient, she's intimidating, and as I say, she does a great job. But if you have to go to court for something, you want to get in front of Frank. Okay, he's your granda in a gown. Do you know? And I know it's different courts and different types of cases. I understand that. But when the defendants tell their story about what has happened to them and how they've got to where they've got to and why they're standing in front of him, you can almost watch his face and the mechanics in his mind try to think of a way to let them off with it. What's the least amount of justice that I can give these people to let them off with it and they can leave court with a bunch of the fuzzy feelings? And it's an incredible thing. Two judges who hear stuff from different people and they respond in entirely different ways. Well, I was watching this interview, and this is what I do in my spare time on YouTube, watching Frank Caprio give an, an interview because one of his videos had gone viral. And at the end of the video, and I think this will help us understand how he's so different. At the end of the interview, he said these words. He says, I don't wear a badge under my robe. I wear a heart under my robe. And when I heard that, I thought, you know what? There is the difference in style. Because the difference, everybody, is the heart within. And different hearts judge differently. Yes? Different hearts. And in our story this morning, we meet two types of judges who react really differently to the mistakes of the life of the person that's standing in front of them. And the way the Pharisees judge and respond is a world away from how Jesus responds. And for me, the big reason is the heart within. Listen to me here. Our heart filters what we hear. Yes? And if that's all you remember this morning, that's that simple line, that's enough for me, that our heart filters what we hear. And the condition of the heart that we carry depends how we process what we hear. And then how we process what we hear will determine how we respond to what we hear. You see, you and I every day will come face to face with headlines of all shapes and sizes. If you have more than one child running about your house, you will be familiar when they come tumbling through the living room door and begin to tell stories about the other, hoping to picture themselves looking better than the other one. Yes? Anyone? Every, yeah, amen. And maybe it's not even kids. Maybe this is your grown-up people, grown-up brothers. I don't know. There's headlines at work when you hear stuff about somebody else in work. There's headlines on your street, and you look on the curtains. There's headlines in church. Did you hear about? Hello? Headlines are everywhere. Headlines in the news. And it's our hearts that stir, get stirred behind these headlines. And it's our hearts that frame our emotions. And it is our heart, the condition of our heart, that forms our response to what we hear in the headlines. And depending on your heart this morning, you're either going to be Judge Judy or you're going to be Judge Frank. And I know all of you want to be Judge Frank, yes? Yeah. But sometimes we're like Judge Judy. I am like Judge Judy, but I tell you why, because there's a Pharisee, a little bit of a Pharisee still living in me. 
And I know I'm redeemed, and I know I'm saved in God, and I know I'm going to heaven if I was to drop today and all of that stuff. But you know what the Bible says? We're perfect and being made perfect. We're sanctified and being made sanctified. And in that being made sanctified relates to the part of my old nature that God is, you know, dealing with and, and squeezing me out of. And that old Pharisee is still within me. There's always a battle to respond well to the headlines that we hear in our lives. So this morning... I want to just maybe give you a couple of tools today to help you respond well to the headlines that I know are coming to your life. Because you know what you can be as a church? You can be a collective response to Portadown and beyond that's going to speak differently and respond differently to the headlines over this community. Amen? Because I don't know about you, but in Derry all those years ago, when we pastored on Cornerstone, the Derry Journal and the London Derry Sentinel had headline after headline after headline after headline, and none of of it was good. And we made a decision because we had a heart for our community to say, you know what, that might be the headline, but we're going to rewrite some headlines. So we're going to think optimistically. We're going to be optimistic. We're going to be a blessing and pack our responses with faith. And I want to encourage you today, that is the life that you can live. That is the response maker you can be in your home, in your workplace, wherever you find yourself today. That's the heart you can carry and begin to bless and build and extend the kingdom of God where you are. So let me give you a couple of, couple of tools today. The first thing is this. Let's, um, let's discern the heart behind the headline. Okay? Discern the heart behind the headline. How many people know that what we're hearing isn't always what we're hearing? Yes? Or even what we're reading. Take a look at this, this, this picture here. These are uh, headlines from the Wall Street Journal. So they are. <laughs> They're coming up. Anytime. Anyway, what would be there is this picture of the Wall Street Journal, okay? It was the same headline, same day, same paper, but completely different response, different sub-headline on the paper, depending on who was going to be reading the paper. They were unable to have the same view, and they twisted it, and they changed it all around because they knew who was reading it would respond differently. Incredible. So, so where's the truth in all of that? Which is, the, which is the right story? I remember undertaking an assignment in college a million years ago and learning for the first time that the Daily Mirror and the Guardian newspapers are Labour supporters. And then that the Sun newspaper, the Times and the Telegraph, well, they were more conservative party-leaning papers. Until that point, I just thought papers were papers. But suddenly now I'm aware that what I'm reading has got a hue. It has an agenda. It has a different heart behind the headline. And how many times, as I say, have one of your kids, even when they're smaller, told tales about the other one to score some points? And you can be guaranteed that they will want to look the better, that they did nothing wrong at all, that there wasn't two to tango, that there's no two sides to this story. It was all about the brother, all about the sister. Listen to me here. Regardless of what headlines come your way, regardless of who brings the headlines, before you say a word, before you respond, I want to encourage you, stop and think, what is the headline behind this story? What is the heart behind it? Is there an agenda here? Is there something more I need to know? And Jesus has the heads up on this for sure. Verse 6 says this, that they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. You see, if Jesus said stone her, then he'd lose the title of friend of sinners. 
And then he'd also be accused of inciting rebellion against Rome, since Rome were the only force, the only authority that had the power to issue an execution order. If he said, let her go then, he'd be accused of, of, uh, of ignoring the law of Moses and promoting an attitude as live as you like. So Jesus, on the face of it, is in this kind of rock and a hard place sort of thing. But he's not, he's not a stranger to it. In Matthew 23, the Herodians were having a go, this time trying to trick Jesus about whether or not they should pay taxes to Caesar. In Mark chapter 12, the Sadducees, it was their turn. They're trying to trick Jesus regarding who should marry someone if, if a partner dies, then who would have kids and who's married in heaven. And Remember that story? And so Jesus is no stranger to understanding that sometimes the headlines, the things that are thrown in front of him waiting for his response have hidden agendas. And so when a work colleague tomorrow comes at you with something tasty to share, when someone wants a word in church with you, your response, I want to encourage you, your first response is internal. It's not, uh, it is thinking, what is the agenda? Is there another heart behind the headline here? The second way we've got to respond as we, as we consider our response is this. We've got to find our peace regardless of the headline. And I want to talk later on some other time, maybe next time, about the peace of God. We've got to learn more about the peace of God. But I want to encourage you, find your peace regardless of the headline. Paul writes this in Philippians 4, and we're familiar with this, some of us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends, say transcends, which transcends all understanding. It says it'll guard your heart and it'll guard your mind in Christ Jesus. And these are familiar words. They're incredible words, life-giving words when worry comes our way, when some of you are anxious even today. This is a word for you. This is a, a, a call to go back to Philippians 4 and begin to pray and praise and thank God and, and, and the peace of God. And, and what I want you to see is that the peace of God is an active thing. It's an active ingredient. The Bible says it transcends all understanding. And the word transcends simply means to go beyond the range, to go beyond the limits. And so what the peace of God does, it goes beyond the limits of our understanding. Something, someone inhabits you that helps you have a perspective that goes beyond what you can currently see, that goes beyond what you are worried about, goes beyond what you're anxious about, and gives you a perspective that helps you go beyond what you are currently hearing as the headline reaches you. Then Paul goes further, he says in Colossians 3.15, he says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You may be familiar with this teaching, but the word rule is the same word in the Greek for umpire. And the only time an umpire blows his whistle, do you know, is, is when he wants the game to stop. I think he blows it when he wants the game to start. But every other time after the start, when an umpire blows the whistle, he is calling for that game to stop. And so what Paul is meaning here, he said, look, I want the peace of God to umpire your life. In other words, as you go about your day, you are meant to carry the peace of God with you. And when you come across a headline, when you come across a person, when you come across a situation or scenario that causes the peace to leave you, it is like the umpire blowing the whistle causing the game to stop. 
So when you lose the peace of God, it causes you to stop and consider and think and position yourself to pray and petition so the peace of God, which transcends, which goes beyond the range of your situation, which goes beyond the range of your understanding of it, and will guard your heart and guard your mind. The peace of God is an epic thing. It is a huge thing, and so many of us are doing life without it. So I want to encourage you, we have to do it, but I want to just say this more often than I care to admit. When the peace of God leaves me, when I hear a headline, I don't know, but I ever do the eye roll? <laughs> the tut. Tut and eye roll. The tut and eye roll simultaneously. Groan. Ever do that? And then the, the bit under the muttery, under the breath bit. Is it just me in the Northwest? Are you guys got it all down? Seriously? Come on. I, 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 more than I, when I hear something, I'm like that. Oh, well, that's just typical eye roll. Poof. You know, oh, that's just like them. Well, nothing new. Not shocked with that. <laughs> Would I tell somebody tech just for prayer? That Pharisee still like, I'm still here. Do you know? This is what happens. I allow to more than I want to tell you. I allow the headline to feed my inner Pharisee. Instead of taking a moment and seeking the peace that the Holy Spirit brings. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. That, you know, that the same power that rose Christ from the dead is the same power that resides in you. So in you, you have this kind of sort of maybe potential for a battle going on, that old nature, that old Pharisee, and the headline comes. You know what? You can give your attention to that, or you can give your attention to the Holy Spirit and begin to crave your peace and get your peace back before you respond. You see, when I give my attention to the Pharisee, I feed my inner critic. Anyone got an inner critic? Don't you lie to me, Porter Down. Come on. It's only me with my hand up. All right, we've got an inner critic. I feed my inner Judy, my inner judge when I want to feed my inner Frank. Yes, the colder, older part of my nature, my inner cynic. Oh, anybody cynical? You won't put your hand up for this one, I know. Oh, that's me, brother. I'm a cynic. Come on, don't be cynical. Do you know the cynical? You've just been hurt, and you're afraid to trust. That's what cynicism is. You look at everybody with a little bit of disdain because you've been broken and betrayed before in your life. Well, I just pray God will heal you right now this morning. And cynicism will drop off you and live your life free and begin to trust in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on. Let's do that. Let's not be a cynic. So when it comes to finding your peace, regardless of your headline, I want you to give your attention to the Holy Spirit and not to the Pharisee. Let's watch Jesus. Let's watch Jesus. He does something amazing in this. Watch this. He draws attention away from the Pharisee. He draws attention away from the woman and draws attention unto himself. Watch this. Verse 2 says this, where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. All eyes now are on Jesus. Verse 3, the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Can you imagine the rigmarole, the, the tumult, the, the noise, the... It's the only word I can think of. The kerfuffle. I don't know where I'm pulling that out of. But the kind of rumble going on as they pull her through the streets. Now, she's just caught in adultery. She's probably not fully clothed. And they pull her through all the way to the temple courts. And they pull her in. All eyes now on the Pharisees. Headline is here. All eyes attention on the Pharisees. Then verse 3 goes on to say, worst. Worse still, they made her stand before the group. 
So not only then has she been dragged through the town, dragged through the temple courts to stand in front of God the Son and all the people he's teaching, and in church, let's say, they're in church having a service. They, the righteous ones, they drag her in, and now they make her stand before the group. So we've gone from all eyes on Jesus, all eyes on the Pharisees, to all eyes are now on her. And then the Pharisees go one worse. In verse 4, they said this, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. That's what Pharisees do. They're not happy to point out that you've done something wrong. They want to tell everybody what it was that you have done wrong. And so not only then are all eyes on her, all eyes are on her and on her sin and on her shame and on her guilt. But verse 6, but Jesus. But Jesus bent down and started to write. And as he did that, where did every eye turn? Onto Jesus. And from that day until this day, Jesus has always been about shifting our sin away from us and onto himself. And so what Jesus is showing us this morning is that when headlines come your way, and they will come this afternoon, this morning, later on, this week, whatever, they're going to come your way that are going to cause you to respond in some way. Do, do not give your first attention to the headline bringer. Whoever it is stomps into your world and says, hey, would you look at this? You need to respond. Don't give your attention to the inner Pharisee. Don't give your attention to the details of what you're hearing, even though it's standing there right in front of you. Give your first attention to Jesus. Put your attention on the Holy Spirit within you. Draw your attention away from the drama. Oh, we love a good drama. Who's addicted? I meet Christians who are addicted to drama. They're addicted to chaos. They're addicted to stuff. I want to tell you, let's kill the drama. Let's kill the chaos. And when the headlines come your way, give your first attention to Jesus and get your peace back. Come on, we got to do it. I love this old chorus. Turn your eyes towards Jesus. How old is this song? Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Let me say this. The more easily I see Jesus, the more clearly I see everything else. The more easily I see Jesus, the more clearly I see everything else. So I want to encourage you, what's the heart behind the headline? Get your peace before you respond to the headline. Thirdly, it's this. I want to encourage us now. Let's reframe the headline. We've got to reframe the headline. Jesus here, he plays this masterstroke, an incredible thing. He doesn't challenge the content of the headline because it's true. She has been caught, and she's been caught in the act of adultery. He doesn't challenge the law because the law says that she must be stoned. If she was, chances are she was betrothed or engaged to someone else. So the law stands, and the penalty of such a sin is to be stoned. He doesn't challenge that. He doesn't even challenge the authority of Rome. But he challenges this. He challenges the legitimacy of those who bring the charge against the woman. The Pharisees, they saw themselves as God's enforcers. Anyone? Anyone sees themselves as the watch ministry, the breaks ministry, God's enforcers, who ministers the law to the letter, 
the watchtower, the people who keep people in line without any love, without any mercy, without any compassion, people who they look at people who are things, instruments to keep on track regardless of all that they're going through in their own lives. And yet the Pharisees, Jesus knows full well, they are blinded to their own pride. They're blinded to their own self-righteousness. They're blinded to their own arrogance. They've taken their authority and they have abused it. Their authority has become a hammer to which they just beat people into this shape made in their own image. And church, I am the first to tell you today, it is so easy to see all of your faults and not have any clue about mine. Yes? How is it that we can have 20-20 vision on everybody else's problems and yet be completely blind to our own? I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now. And we will see you next time on the Ariat Church Podcast.